You're now listening to SJN Fun, where artists, directors, founders, and investors talk about their latest projects and share a little fun story from their lives. Let's go. In episode three, we talked to two world-renowned filmmakers, Sam O'Hare and Klaus Obermeier, about their latest projects and some fun exclusive stories from their recent adventures. At the start, you'll hear Sam providing us with a little glimpse into his life and what got him to where he is today as a successful filmmaker. Then, we'll hear Klaus's story and his path to success as a filmmaker. So I'm from the UK. Um, I studied architecture over there and I worked for uh, five, six years in architectural visualization um, using computer graphics uh, and uh, like the kind of visual effects techniques um, for architecture. And then when I moved over to New York, I started doing visual effects for commercials. Um, I did that for sort of two or three years and then I started directing um, and started working uh, with Kyle like actually uh, back then. So, um, yeah, my kind of, uh, approach to things is usually fairly sort of technological, um, coming from the kind of visual effects and post side, uh, rather than from the live action side. Um, so I kind of got into live action after, um, so yeah, a lot of my stuff is, is sort of heavily technical and I was interested in uh, 360 video. Um, so I, you know, I guess we can get, get onto this, uh, that's of, uh, a kind of a potted history, I guess. Um, so yeah, I started uh, directing through Aerofilm, and then uh, recently we obviously we set up Rocket, and uh, we're you know kind of excited uh, with Rocket going forward. Awesome, awesome, uh, Klaus. How about how about yourself? Could you give us a little bit of background? Uh, and yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm a I'm a director, and I've always loved filmmaking and storytelling, and I've always wa- loved being on the leading edge and trying things that are new and different and taking and and kind of evolving things and sam is a genius with understanding this whole new world of vr and it was an you know for for us really exciting because sam has designed a rig and for me it was an interesting exercise as a director to go through and look at how you create um how you create interesting vr and and how that um how to make it beautiful at all angles simultaneously is kind of an interesting exercise. And, and VR is, is like more like theater than, than film in that you're kind of having immersing that and letting things play out around it versus being able to use the art of storytelling and cutting. So it's, it's, it's fun to, um, to team up with someone who has huge, huge understanding in an area that, that I don't like Sam does with the VR and then for me to run around with Sam and check out some of the most beautiful places in my hometown where I grew up um, that just have like these amphitheaters of beauty in all directions and then kind of the beauty of time-lapse. So that, that was the joy of this last project. Awesome. Awesome. That's, uh, that's really good to hear. And uh, speaking on that topic, uh, what is the uh, latest uh, project that you guys have been working on, whether it's uh, VR-related or non-VR-related, something you guys are excited about? 
Sam, you go ahead. Uh, I mean, the thing I'm working on right at this minute, um, I'm actually working for City Harvest. They're a, a nonprofit here in New York City, which uh, they rescue food from restaurants and supermarkets and stuff that would otherwise go to waste. And uh, they get it to people who need it. Um, they actually rescue 59 million pounds of food every year. Um, and it goes out to uh, areas where, you know, there are a lot of places that you can't get access to good produce. Um, and it also goes to soup kitchens and, and various other places. And they've, they've been sending stuff out to uh, Puerto Rico this week and to Houston a couple of weeks ago. Um, so they kind of go more uh, nationally as well. And um, it's uh, really fun. We've just been uh, shooting a whole bunch of stuff uh, in their warehouse and kind of around to uh, highlight the, all the people who work there, you know, the kind of the people who are tirelessly working on this stuff day in, day out to, to help everybody out. So that's, uh, that's a really nice kind of rewarding thing to work on. Yeah, definitely. That, awesome. Yeah, that, that's a really uh, interesting project. And, uh, you know, I, there's so much, you know, tragedy and, and, and very big uh, problems help, you know happening around the world and you kind of uh, you know providing help within that uh, certain sector is definitely uh, cool to hear about uh, and how about you Klaus what what uh, what kind of uh, latest projects are you working on well I think you know like Sam is excited about what he what he's working on this exciting piece I think for all of us the kind of the holy grail of of projects is projects that have that are beautiful challenges and wonderfully visual but can have a impact a positive impact or you know create something really uh, you know bring people something really magical i think the latest one that i feel um had uh, amazing depth was one that we did in the solomon islands in searching for a biofluorescent turtle um Oh, wow. uh, bioluminescent turtle and and they'd been found one the year before and we were kind of doing a really um, kind of a visual project for Canon to demonstrate the sensitivity of their new light sensor in the ME20 and so we came up with this idea of shooting something that's a that had only been seen once before we flew to the Solomon Islands and and found these fluorescing turtles which which was a big deal to science and seeing that there was a rep you know part a reptile that was biofluorescing they'd seen it in corals and they'd seen it in other forms of marine biology but they hadn't seen it there so i think that's a, you know using technology to make us closer to nature to be able to do things like what sam was talking about where we can i, I think close communication and and using technology as a as a bridge to, to being closer to nature and and more in tune with nature is a theme that we should continue and it's the most fun when you get projects that are like that. So, so you're first of all, you're telling me there are glowing turtles in the ocean. Yes. Oh my god. Yes, and it takes it takes lunatic geniuses like David Gruber, <laughs> who happens to be in the Solomon Islands on the back of a yacht and and goes into the water at night, shining this special blue light underwater to replicate how turtles see using the spectrum of light that penetrates the ocean. And so he's basically using turtle vision in the middle of the night and happens to stumble upon this turtle that then through this, uh, through this blue light exudes what's, what's incredible about bio um, bioluminescent is that they absorb 
um, they absorb the blue light and reflect back other amazing colors so that a world that seems to us at first to be completely bland, when we illuminate it under blue light and we see what the creatures from corals to turtles to even sharks are doing as they, they're fluorescing that back into their environment in all these colors. So it's, it's a window, as David says, I love his line, he goes, it's, it's like there's been this underwater disco party going on for millions of years and it's just <laughs> tuning in. You know what I mean? It's wow. like, it's, it's really cool. And when technology brings you closer to nature or when we, through information and, and like a program like Sam's talking about, we're using, um, we're recycling things. I mean, it's just that, that kind of stuff is super fun. And I think when, as artists, it's always fun to be working on something that, that is involved with doing something that really has a positive impact way beyond yourself. And that way you can magnify your energy in a positive way. And I think that's thrilling, you know, that's, uh, that's actually really amazing. I, I'm a big animal lover. I've never heard of glowing turtles before. And for you guys to, uh, (laughs) capture that, that, that deserves to be, uh, uh, definitely something a lot of viewers, uh, have to see like, that's just tremendous i would have never guessed there would have been uh glowing turtles <laughs> in the wild yeah we had to bet on some good turtle karma too because you know <laughs> it's 45 people flying three days to these islands that haven't seen any action since world war ii uh-huh. and um and you hope the turtle shows up you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah it's you gotta have the good luck and the good karma but it all worked out and you know um the Solomons are also really in need of um, sustainable tourism, and the dive tourism represents a really sustainable uh, future for them. So we were able, through our project, to build um, awareness for the diving and meet with the local government and get the government to support the eco-diving, which basically means that you're, you're supporting the community in a way that's sustainable versus, say, logging, which they're doing, where they cut down all their trees and then the the runoff ruins the reef and it's a one-time payment. So you want to see in this very delicate culture that's still very untouched where things are really in beautiful natural order. You want to uh, be able to set up sustainable forms of economy there for the local people so that they can maintain the beauty of their homeland. And this project also had that ripple effect because of us unveiling the treasures that exist underneath these people's noses right there that's their homeland and like it's one of the most intense biodiversity in the in the entire planet is down there so that's a treasure and they need to protect it and and doing films like this can help yeah i mean it seems like you guys are working on a lot of awareness projects uh, something that's uh, beneficial to society and i really uh applaud your guys efforts in that and what was there a point in time where you guys kind of Thought. instead of gaining monetary value we can provide a uh something of value for our society uh and working on projects like this that can uh, be beneficial for uh humankind basically rather than just for uh the idea of success or monetary uh you know gains and revenue and stuff like that yeah i mean i would have to say that i believe it's a good business strategy actually a good monetary business strategy because business is important to be engaged in things that make a difference and that inspire. And you'll find that creatively, 
a lot of the great stories, they don't often have good funding. And it's like whales don't have a budget. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So certain things like to be able to use what we've learned in commercials, use like all all our our vendors too, like our camera guys and the camera movement guys, they all want to get involved in good stuff. Mm -hmm. So when, when good stuff comes up, man, we jump on it and everybody's super stoked to do it. But it's also smart because it, you know, we'll be testing something new on that project. It'll push us into some other kind of learning. It'll expand the reel in a way where we can be seen differently that affects business positively. So it's, I would say that it's, it's our, you know, I think it's like, hey, it's the one you try to get. It's like the home run is when you can make it hit on all cylinders. And then there's also just uh, the art of commercials and the art of doing what we're doing, which is really cool too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the combination is exciting and fun and it, it's meaningful to work on stuff where you feel like it's, it's super positive and you're using your team and your art. And I have to say it is a team like every, like Sam and Scotty Howe and like all the people who we work with, they have the same kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. And so they want, they'll jump on board with us. Like the guy with all the technocranes and the camera, we're innovating camera um, stabilized heads right now. We're coming out with a new one. So there's a big kind of technological side to what we do. Mm-hmm. Sam developing the rig, him on the, on the effects kind of side, which is huge. And then kind of the physical side of it, which is going out and creating equipment that can get us images that haven't been seen before. So it kind of, it fires on all cylinders, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's in that that's, sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, and and Sam, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on today's market with uh, cameras? So, uh, what I mean by that is, you know, we're we're seeing a lot of innovation. Uh, we recently attended SIGGRAPH, where uh, we yeah. heard about you know, a lot of cool projects and development. Uh, people coming up with their own custom rigs because they find that. 360 camera solutions are uh, are not really fitting for their style and purposes. Uh, what are you noticing about camera trends uh, within the industry? Um, <clears throat> I mean, certainly there's been kind of a heavy democratization of camera technology recently, uh, you know, over the last sort of 10 years or so, um, starting with the, uh, the Canon 5D Mark II, you know, the, using that for video, which kind of got... Um, good-looking and like large sensor video to suddenly to a much cheaper price point and since then there have been a huge number of uh, cameras come out and uh, there's been a proliferation of lenses as well um, and a lot of stuff aimed at that kind of uh, the lower price point which has meant that many more people are able to get into to doing it um, and then um, you know the high-end stuff is all been developing as well so you've got you know the high-end red cameras shooting 8k now and mm-hmm. Uh, the LXs and the mirrors, which produce really beautiful imagery, and um, like you got the Black Magic, which kind of sort of fit into the middle there too. So there's there's a much bigger range of that sort of thing. But then, I mean, looking at stuff like you know computational photography, things like 360, mm-hmm. uh, and things where you're expecting to stitch imagery together and um, create, you know, uh, immersive content. Vir- yeah, yeah. yeah, immersive content and like virtual assets. You know, it's not just like a frame. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, a, like you're generating 3D content through using uh, multiple cameras and, yeah, 360 content. And, I mean, I think what's going to be kind of interesting going forward, because, I mean, you know, I <clears throat> designed this rig because I wanted to get into shooting from 360 video. 
and I looked at the rigs that were available and they pretty much all use GoPros mm-hmm. um, apart from some sort of, you know, $50,000 ones. Yeah. Um, and even those, you know, the, the quality of the imagery was not amazing. Um, not dramatically different to the, the GoPros. It was more about the sort of ease of use. Um, and so I tested a couple of them and I'm, I wasn't particularly impressed. So uh, I decided to build my own that would give me manual control over the, the footage and give me high resolution and, you know, give me kind of a better result. Um, so, so I built the, so go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, can we talk about, uh, what your custom rig looks like? Uh, there's probably a lot of people who are unfamiliar, unfamiliar with, uh, building rigs. Like what have you done to put together your custom rig? What, like, what uh, are you looking at and stuff like that? Um, <clears throat> so what, Sorry, could you just repeat that for me? Yeah. So, uh, what what is you know what is your custom rig you've built? Like, did you use a couple DSLR cameras for this uh, for the uh, three hundred and sixty rig that you guys created with the Aspen shot? You know, what uh, what kind of rigs uh, did you create for this? You know. So um, it was based around the Sony A sixty three hundred. It's a crop sensor uh, mirrorless camera. <clears throat> DSLRs uh, are you know you've got the extra bulk from the mirror box and. Um, generally, you, whenever you're building a 360 rig, you want the lenses to be as close together as possible uh, to minimize the parallax errors that you get. I mean, you can't get rid of them completely because you can't have all the lenses in the same place. But the closer they are together, the easier it will be to stitch and the closer you can stitch uh, things. So um, the A6300, is, it gives you uh, good quality imagery. It's got a, um, a nice quality Sony sensor. Uh, you can shoot stills as well as 4K video. Uh, in S-Log, and it's got a uh, full manual control as well. So um, I got one, and I started um, kind of building the bit of structure. I uh, I did photogrammetry for the camera, so I kind of built a 3D model by taking pictures of it. Um, and then I built the, the 3D rig around that, and I experimented with kind of a few different designs, started with something fairly simple, and then uh, I went through, I don't know, probably something like 15 iterations before I actually got it to the point where I was happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't print 15 versions, but you know, in 3d, I went through that many, uh, that many versions. Um, and you know, spent some time kind of calculating exactly where the camera should be and how it would work. Um, and I ended up with a design that was, uh, it's designed to, <clears throat> as I said, put the cameras close enough together, um, so that they work well, but also still have heat dissipation. Um, so that it's made from mostly struts around kind of a solid core with a, uh, sorry, a strong core with like a gap up the middle so that the heat can rise off it. Um, and then, uh, the, it's designed to, uh, give access to the batteries and the, uh, the memory card so that you can, um, you know, switch those out without having to take everything out of the rig and obviously be able to start and stop video and, um, and time-lapse work as well. Um, and then I had to design it so that the whole thing would print in one piece on a um, an FDM printer. Um, so actually, wait, it's two pieces, but the majority of it is in one piece, which has us five cameras, and there's another one that goes on top that has us the sixth. So there's uh, six in total. Mm. Um, <clears throat> um, yeah, so yeah. that was kind of the, the process I went through building it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, for the actual shoot, I've done some tests here in New York. And uh, Klaus suggested that um, we should come out and shoot some stuff in Aspen because it was coming towards fall and it's so beautiful there. And um, I mean, I, you know, obviously I thought that was a great idea. So, um, yeah, we packed it up and, and headed out there. 
And um, <clears throat> I mean, it shoots both video and, and stills and time lapse. Mm -hmm. And uh, we shot some video with it as well, mm -hmm. but um, we actually um, strapped it to a, a paraglider and uh, <laughs> threw it off a mountain um, uh, wow. a few times. Wow. I guess three times did that, right? Um, uh, but the stuff that was most compelling for me was the time lapse. Um, the thing with 360 video is, uh, like Klaus was saying, it's you know it doesn't work in a standard narrative sense. It's mm -hmm. much more difficult to do narrative work with it because, you know, yeah, exactly. When you're using it uh, for normal filmmaking, you can you're telling people exactly what to look at. You know, you sort of leave them by the nose as you see this frame and then this frame and then this frame. With 360 video, you know, you can't tell which what piece of it people are seeing at any given time. So it's much more difficult to do that. Um, but it's much better for experiential things and getting the impression of a place across. And what we found was that the time lapse, especially the night time lapses, um, allow you to see things in a way that you can't normally see, you know, mm -hmm. that you can see the whole, the passage of an entire night compressed down into 15 seconds and look up and see the stars wheeling overhead and the moon going past and, you know, rivers flowing underneath you. And it almost becomes sort of ethereal and otherworldly. And that's the sort of thing that I was you know, it was most interesting and exciting for me. Yeah, so for me, when I first watched it, I, I just, like, the quality just looked so great. The pixel density and everything, it just <laughs> looked uh, very different from other videos I've seen. So it just, I just triggered a thought, like, what do they do, you know? And and how did they, you know, come up with this new process? Because if you, if you look at traditional 360 videos, I'm talking, like, amateur level, um, you'll notice... Uh, a lot of uh, the, the quality just isn't quite there. Um, and that's why even Google launched their uh, 180 VR platform and a lot of uh, companies right. are, are transitioning to that 180 uh, thought because you know it's, it's a little bit uh, better quality and um, easier uh, with FPS and, and uh, things of that nature. And so you know I, I really you know, love what you guys do with this project i can't wait to uh share it with uh everyone to see what you guys have you know created it's it's really beautiful and, thank you yeah and uh i on this uh show on this podcast uh, we like to uh have our guests uh tell a fun uh, exclusive story that they never told uh publicly uh, anything that you guys kind of think of uh in terms of when you guys worked on a project or anything that uh you know, a fun story that has happened recently, if you guys have any. A funny one, huh? <laughs> yeah, a fun story from a shoot or a set, anything you guys, while you guys were working, um, anything for the audience? I guess probably. Well, go ahead, Sam. So, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily funny, but it's uh, kind of interesting. I mean, from that shoot in Aspen, um, <clears throat> we... Uh, we did one of these one shot um, where you can see the the bells, the uh, the mountain range uh, that's in the background of one of the shots where we're in the lake. And in order to get into that lake, uh, we had to wade in there, and uh, you know once to obviously set the cameras up, and then uh, again to get them out again. And it was freezing cold. I think it was like maybe one degree above freezing when we went to pick the cameras up in the morning. And uh, we, the bottom of the lake is mud, and the mud leaches the heat away from you even quicker than the water does. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so and it was like, I don't know, kind of down to like mid-calf or something, that mud. Um, so we waited in there to go and get the, uh, the cameras out, like turn them all off, and 
we had a battery hanging in a dry bag that Klaus had rigged up that was uh, sitting on a little log to <laughs> keep them all running overnight. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so we had to kind of disentangle everything and then um, and pull it out. And uh, yeah, on top of getting absolutely freezing cold and covered in mud, uh, on the way back out, um, we disconnected the uh, the USB cables which were triggering the uh, the uh, the shutter releases. And as I was in the still, you know, in, it's still fairly dark because it's so early in the morning. Uh, I'm trying to walk back up a hill holding the rig and I swung it and one of the USB cables uh, nipped straight through my right corner and oh. took a chunk out of it. So, Are you okay? <laughs> for, can, you, can you see? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's healed up now. But uh, it took a few weeks. And for, I mean, for the rest of the time I was out there, like, I was down an eye. Oh, um, my I goodness. I could just see kind of like blurry, um, like broken messes. So, yeah, that was... Uh, Probably the most interesting thing that happened. <laughs> so what- Sam shot that whole thing with one eye tied behind his back. <laughs> and there, there was there was a bear though too, Sam. Right in one of those frames that someone pointed out to us later. No way. All right. A bear. Is there, is there a bear? Or is that was that I a myth? I don't. I don't remember that. Who, who who mentioned that? I think Suzanne said there was a bear in the VR, and they noticed a bear somewhere in one of the shots, which wouldn't surprise me. I don't. I don't know. I don't remember seeing that, oh but it's, it's possible. <laughs> so what? Uh, what time of uh, month was this? What month did you guys go out to shoot this? September, I think, uh, last year. September yep. last year. So when it's starting to get cold. Yeah, it's just in that beautiful color change, huh? Yeah. That's incredible color change, and you know, in VR, you're looking for 360 degrees of stunning. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think it's apparent in this video that you guys shot. It's uh, really beautiful. Shows the colors. Uh, and as far as uh, a story from you, Klaus, what what do we have one? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, there, you know, we we have high points. Like on the last job, on the last job I did, there was there was a, a breakthrough that we had on that job. We were shooting Jeep on the Rubicam Trail, mm-hmm. and you know, it's incredible what these Jeeps go up and some of the like literally the impossible. So we started to view things completely in a new way and thought to um, fly a drone underneath a Jeep while it was driving to reveal the one under it or the one behind it. So uh-huh. that was uh, that was something brand new that we ended up doing, and it came out really amazing with these little drones and that amazing technology. It's so possible to to do that. And I think that's what's so fun about the evolution of, tech is how it can be used completely differently, how you can bring something that you have never seen before to the table, you know, and I, th- I guess that's the, yeah. that's part of the mission, at least on everything. As far as uh, your guys' respective projects go, where can people go to uh, see kind of uh, your latest project, Sam, and your latest uh, project class? Where can, are you guys, is it still in post-production? When will it be uh, released? Well, the rocket site is a good place to see our work, and and we will, um, you know, c- continue to release the stuff we're working on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, rocket.film, and um, parachute.tv is um, our uh, the post and visual effects uh, side. So uh, that sort of work all goes on that site. Awesome, awesome. I uh, I really look forward to uh, seeing those projects. Uh, I really want to see the glowing turtle. It just <laughs> really fascinates me that there's a uh, there's that sort of animal out there in the wild that really no one really knows about. And, uh, 
uh, it'd be it'd be cool to uh, share and uh, kind of see what that actually looks like. You know. Thank you so much. We'll we'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to seeing that. But uh, thank you guys for uh, you know taking time out of your day. I know you guys are busy. Uh, you know, it was great talking to you guys about kind of the project realm, especially uh, the Aspen uh, 360 time last video. It looked really awesome. Uh, I can't wait to share with our audience. Uh, and I look forward to uh, catching up with you guys later down the road, talking about new projects and uh, see how everything else is going. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Really thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Uh, take care. Pleasure chatting right. with you. Make sure to visit VRandFun.com to check out some of the amazing videos that the two film directors have worked on including the 360 Aspen time-lapse video. It's absolutely stunning. Stay tuned for episode 4 featuring another wonderful guest. SJ and Fun, signing out.